0: All right, well, welcome to CCC again, and welcome to East Hall service. Um, Listen, if you're new to us, uh, just to let you know, usually in here we actually watch the sermon on the screen that's happening across the hall, but every once in a while we have somebody that's live in here, so you have to put up with me today. All right, my name's Todd, and I'm one of our pastors here, and it is a privilege uh, just to be able to open God's word with you today. Before we get into the message, Um, We actually have something exciting coming up in June that we wanted to tell you about. And actually, Pastor Joe himself wanted to tell you. So he's going to give you this short little video.
1: So watch this. Hey, everyone. A little interesting fact about church attendance. Uh, Highest attended Sunday of the year, Easter. Uh, No surprise there. Second highest attended Sunday of the year, Mother's Day. Why is that? What would it be like if it was Father's Day, if the second highest attended Sunday of the year was Father's Day, where every dad turns to his family and says, hey, everybody, let's go to church today. At least that's where I'm going. You guys just follow me. Do what I'm doing. It seems like church has always been a place where women feel more comfortable than men. This year, we have a theme called Transform 2018, where we're all about change, and we want to change that. June is gonna be man month here at CCC. That's right, man month. We wanna cast a vision for what a man could be, should be, what the world needs men to be. What would CCC be like if every man committed himself to being all that God has called him to be? Well, listen, I wanna invite you to come. Men, this is my challenge to you come the four weeks of june women you come too. you'll want to hear this and who knows if christ community chapel if father's day ever catches up to mother's day it might be the very best thing that has come out of transformed 2018. so thanks see you next week
0: all right so seriously man month um, i think it's going to be great and not just for men i think it's going to be great for everybody Um, So make sure you come next week. Uh, Listen, our theme this year, as Pastor Joe said, is transformed in 2018. And the whole premise of that theme is that we would be different in December than we were in January. And we would do that by God's grace and through what Christ is doing in us. And we're five months in almost, and I believe God has done a lot of work. He's transforming many of you, but he's got got more to do because the year is not over yet. All right, so every series that we have uh, done this year, it has something to do with transformation. And this series is no different. So we started a series a few weeks ago called The Agents of Change. And we're talking about four agents of transformation of change. The first one we did was prayer, then we did the gospel, then we did worship, and now uh, today, we're gonna close it out by talking about the Bible as an agent of change. And I truly believe that we kind of saved the best agent of change for the last one because I believe that God's word to us, the Bible, is one of the greatest agents of change that we have available to us right now. And so this morning, I want to tell you that this book can change you, but if it's going to change you, there's going to be three things that you have to know. All right. So here, here are the three, and it'll kind of act as our outline for the morning. First, it's the wrong the the wrong pattern, then the right perspective, and then the confines of freedom. So you have to know the wrong pattern, the right perspective, and then the confines of freedom. All right, so first, the wrong pattern. Now, uh, if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, or you just want to follow along the screen, we're going to go to Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2, and it's Really the theme verse for our whole year of transformation, but it really fits today. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. All right, so it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And the Bible does that, it transforms you by the renewal of your mind, but we're going to get to that. Before we get to that, I want to talk about that first phrase, but do not be conformed to this world. Because it, b- before we go on to how you, tra- how you are transformed, we need to know what this world is like, what this culture is like, so that we do not conform to the way it is. And if we just know, and if you've ever watched G.I. Joe's growing up like I did, knowing is half the Battle. Thank you. There's a couple G.I. Joe fans out there. All right. So, knowing is important first. In 2016, the Oxford Dictionaries declared that the word post-truth was the word of the year for Oxford Dictionaries. Post-truth. And here's what the definition of post-truth is. It, it, it says this, Relating to, which is funny that they have have given a a concrete definition to this, by the way, all right. Relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief, all right? So that's the definition of post-truth, and we see this in our culture all the time right now. But a few years back, um, I kind of saw this in an interesting way. So I, I coach my kids' soccer teams, and about three years or four years ago, I was coaching one of their teams, and it was three and four-year-old soccer. Right? If you've ever seen three and four-year-old soccer, there's it's chaos, right? And and there are rules to how you're supposed to play, but but they're really held kind of loosely. Like if a kid dribbles out of bounds, you kind of you don't call them out. You just kind of kind of just bring them back in, because they don't know what they're doing. All right, so every once in a while, it's fairly normal for a kid to score in the wrong goal. (laughs) Happens, right? Three and four year old soccer. So this one particular game, we were playing this other team and um, the coaches are kinda out on the field running around and this kid scores in the wrong goal and I'm thinking, ha, happens all the time, all right? But the response of the parents and of the coach was really interesting. They started cheering. I mean, really cheering for this kid. And, you know, I'm not heartless. I know that sometimes kids need like a self-esteem boost and stuff. So I, I wasn't going to make a big deal of that. And then it happened again. And the parents, same response. Coach, good job. High five. Okay. And I'm starting to get upset. Happens again for the third time. Kid scores in the wrong goal, parents go nuts, coach goes nuts. Not one person, not the parent, not the coach, not anyone had the guts to tell this kid that he was scoring in the wrong goal, except for me. I... I felt like I had a right to do I pulled this kid aside, and I looked at him, and I just said, Hey, buddy, you know, that's not the right goal. This, this one's the right goal. And you would have thought, like the parents and the coaches looked at me as if I was the most hateful human being ever to live. All right? Don't kill this kid's joy. But that's the culture we live in, isn't it? We're living in a culture right now in a world where where you don't tell the kid the right right way to do it. If he is happy scoring in the wrong goal, then let's celebrate. We are living in a culture where you do what's right in your own eyes, and if you feel good, it's all good. That's kind of the way it is. That's the post-truth mindset. But this just didn't start recently. Some of us kind of think it started recently. It goes all the way back to the very beginning. See, in the the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were placed in the garden and they were given um, this whole garden to take care of all of these trees that they could eat from. And there was one tree, as you know the story, that they could not eat from. And God said, this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And that was the only real boundary that God had placed on Adam and Eve. And you know how the story goes. Satan comes in the form of a serpent, and he looks at Adam and Eve, and he says, did God really say, did God really say that you can't eat of this tree? I mean, look at the fruit. It looks so good. You know what? You're not going to die. Come on. As a matter of fact, you're not, not only are you not going to die, your eyes will be open to knowing good and evil and it's gonna change your life, it's gonna be great. And so you know the story, Adam and Eve partake in the fruit and they believe the lie of Satan rather than listening to what their creator has told them. And what happens is not only were their eyes open to knowing the difference between good and evil, but they became now their own God deciding what was now good or evil. And it gets worse from there. The Bible kind of bottoms out at the book of uh, Judges. So what had happened is, you know, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit, but God had his, his nation, Israel, his people, and, and he rescues them out of slavery. And then he, he, he lets them enter into this promised land. And then he gives them the law and the standard by which they should live and even sets up judges to help carry out the law. And then in Judges 17, towards uh, 17, verse six, it says, it says this, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In that same post-truth mindset that existed long, long ago is the one we still live in today. And it may be worse than ever before. Um, that ancient problem doesn't just exist outside of the church. It exists inside of the church, too. And, and, you know, the way it exists inside of the church is we, we kind of take God's Word and we're like, yeah, this is the truth. I believe in God's Word as objective truth until it doesn't fit with the way I want to live my life. And then I'm kind of willing to compromise. But I'm telling you, if that's the way that you see God's Word, if that's your perspective then you will be believing the lie, the same lie that Adam and Eve believed, and you become a law unto yourself. You are God, you decide what is good and evil, and this thing, this Bible, will not change you. It can't change you anymore. And so that is the wrong pattern. That's the wrong pattern. We have to know first what we should not be conforming to. But then we have to know, the second thing is the right perspective. We have to have the right perspective. So let's go back to Romans 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. All right, so we are not supposed to conform to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of our mind. So how are we transformed? How does this word change us? by the renewal of our mind. And I truly believe that the Bible has the power to renew your mind, but I think it's different than sometimes we think it is. So one of the, the biggest mistakes that sometimes people make is that they see God's word as a list of laws and rules that if they would just check all of the boxes, they would just follow everything that God says, then they would be changed. But that didn't work for Adam and Eve. That didn't work in the book of Judges. And it doesn't work for us. That's not the way you look at scripture. You see, if you want to renew your mind, you have to have a different perspective on scripture. And I think this is the way, this is the the best example I could give. You have to see scripture as a mirror. And it is a mirror that tells you exactly who you are. And I'm not talking about the person that, that you want to be or the person that you try to portray in public. I'm talking about the person that you are, everything about you. Um, so uh, a number of years ago, my, my wife Jillian and I, by the way, we have three kids. And when we had our first Reese, she was just a baby. You know, Jillian is, is, is basking in the, the glamorous mom life, you know, with with spit up, and diapers, and all that sort of thing. And and, and a lot of times she's kind of feels stuck inside because it's so hard to get out, especially in the winter in Northeast Ohio. And she was in one of those seasons. And and one day she decided, you know, I've got stuff to do. And she felt really empowered, felt really good. So she's like, I'm going out and I'm getting stuff done today. I'm taking that baby and we're gonna do some stuff. So she gets the baby and gets the baby all dressed, gets all dressed herself, gets all ready, feeds the baby, everything is good. She feels wonderful. And she's, this is, she's telling me this story, by the way. And she feels wonderful as she goes out, and she's like, man, I am the mom of the year. And she goes out and she walks around and she sees people, goes to several stores, gets errands done. She's seeing people you know, from church, everything's good. They're looking at the baby, all things are good. She comes back home, looks in the mirror. She had spit up all over the front of her. Okay, she felt so good, but she, looked, she did not look so good. <laughs> And people understood that. But here's the thing if she had only looked in the mirror, she would have understood what she really looked like, and then she could have made the change. That's exactly what the Bible is for us it is like a mirror for our heart that tells us exactly who we are. And it's not just like a normal mirror that makes you look kind of good. It is like one of those, those magnifying mirrors that you look that women like, do their makeup in when it, that, that it like, magnifies every little blemish on your face. That's what the Bible is like. And it reveals you not for the person that you hope people think you are, not for how you feel inside. It reveals you for exactly who you are. And that's what Scripture actually says about Scripture all right, so Hebrews 4.12 and 13 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account." You see, the Bible is, an, is a mirror, and it exposes everything. When we open God's word, it's living and active, and we are laid bare before the God of the universe, and he sees everything about us, and we see it ourselves. And it's not just the sins that we do. It's our thoughts. It's our intentions. It's our motives. And if any one of us was laid, is laid bare like that before the God of the universe, we do not come to the conclusion that we are good enough that we are good people. And actually that's exactly what scripture says. So Romans 3 Romans 3 verses 10 and 11 says this, Paul says this, as it is written, none is righteous, no not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All right, so if you look at scripture, as a list of rules and laws, that if you just follow them, it will change you. These verses that I just read are gonna crush you. Because what these verses say is that it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how much good you do, it doesn't matter how much you try to keep the law, you will never be righteous, you will never measure up to God's standard. And that's what happens when you look in the mirror of Scripture. So if you don't change by seeing the Bible as a list of rules, then how do you change? The way that you change is by looking not to just what Scripture says, but looking to the God of Scripture. You have to look at the character of God, and God's character is revealed in its greatest form through the person of Jesus Christ. At the very cross of Christ, We now have a way that we can be transformed forever. Romans 3 doesn't stop at verse 11 with just saying, You're in trouble, you're not righteous, and there's no way you can be. It actually continues. And verses 21 to 24 say this But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and prophets do bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you realize there's nothing you can do on your own, there's not a list of rules that you can perfectly follow. And so instead of your own righteousness, you trust the righteousness of Jesus and what he did on the cross, and it changes everything. And it doesn't just change everything for you and transform you, but it transforms the way you look at scripture. It really does. Um, And here's here's kinda what I, I wanna propose today. The Bible will not change you unless you look at it through the lens of the cross of Jesus Christ. Any other way you look at it, it will end up, it will end up leading you to despair. But if you look at it through the cross of Christ, it changes everything. And and I know that this is kind of, this is a little bit cheesy, but I like visuals, okay? So what I propose that you do and I do is when we read the Bible, we actually put on what I'm calling uh, Jesus goggles. (laughs) Jesus goggles, all right? They're on Amazon. Uh, Not at all, I made these. But the reason, I, the reason I propose that is because I believe that you cannot possibly read scripture and be changed unless you know Jesus Christ as your savior. And here's why, because when you know Christ, you get a new life, you get a new heart, you get a new mind, that's how you renew your mind. And once you renew your mind, you have a completely new perspective and you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So every time you open up God's word, it has the power to change you now. That is incredible news. But don't try to change without your Jesus goggles, without seeing it like that. Until you see the Bible through the lens of Jesus and the cross of Christ, you will never change. The Bible will never change you. so that is the second thing. We have the wrong pattern, and then we have the right perspective. And finally, we have the confines of freedom, the confines of freedom. All right, so once we understand that we can see the Bible through the lens of the cross of Jesus Christ, that changes everything. Now when the Bible tells us to do something or to not do something, we actually listen. We actually, we actually do what it says because our perspective on all of Scripture has changed. I want to read to you, uh, we're, gonna, we're in Romans a lot. Romans 6, 1-4 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. When you come to know Jesus, you, you don't use Jesus as a license to continue to live the way you used to live or a license to sin. Instead, you realize that what Jesus has done for you is he has transformed you, given you a new life, and he wants you now to walk in the newness of life, and the only way to do that is through God's word. That's how you, that's how you do it. All right, so um, the problem, oh, by the way, last week we baptized 105 people, which was amazing, last Sunday night, yeah. Um. And I, and I love the symbol of baptism, because in baptism, what we do and the way we practice at this church is we take someone and we dunk them backwards, and then we bring them back up. And it's symbolism for when you come to know Jesus as your Savior, because there is a death that takes place, so we bury them down in the water to symbolize they are dead to the old self, forgiven of their sin, no longer that person anymore, and then we raise them up symbolizing that they have risen to new life in Christ and they are now new. And that's exactly what God has done for each of us who know Jesus. And now he wants us to walk in newness of life. And so we don't see God's word as this list of rules anymore, but what we see it as, as the life-giving truth from God that actually gives us Life and helps us to walk in the new life that God has saved us to live. That's what Scripture does. Here's the problem, though. The problem is that we still often think that what God and what Jesus asks us to do as Christians is is still kind of not that great, and it's hard to follow, and and it seems like he's holding us back from living the life we want to live. But... It's actually not true because listen to James, James one twenty five. I love this verse. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, but forgets, but, uh, no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You see, all throughout the Old Testament, God gave the law, and what people realized is that the law could never fully transform them because they could never, ever completely live up to the law. So the law became a law of slavery. It became a law of bondage that they could never break out of until Jesus came. And once Jesus came, he has forgiven us of our sin. He has broken the bondage. We now depend on his righteousness. And now when we open God's word, we don't see it as the law of slavery that confines us to a lesser life, but we see it as the law of liberty. We see it as giving us freedom. So what that means is when God puts boundaries around us, When God says no to certain things in our life, nope, can't can't do that. We don't see that as, oh man, God's keeping me from all the fun again. He's restricting me. This isn't the way I want to live, but we see it, we do it because we see it as freedom. You see, God has created us to live within boundaries that bring more freedom. There are confines to freedom. All right, so let me show you what I mean. I've got... um, I brought a little friend with me. Um, this is my friend. Um, this is my little fish. And if you can't see it, it's, it's in there. Can you see that? All right. Um, and I was just thinking about this with my friend. I'm sad for him. You know why? Because he is stuck inside the confines of this water. I just feel like it's not fair. Like all of us, we get to be in this room and kind of go wherever we want as we please. And, 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 and you know we have so much more freedom, but I feel like this fish has to be in this water, and it's not fair. It really is just—it's almost hateful. And so what I was thinking is I would I would go ahead and free this fish from the bondage of the water that it's in. Are you guys cool with that? Are You guys, no. And some of you, some of you are getting like downright angry at me for even proposing it, you animal lovers. But no, you're not good with it. Why? Because if I were to take that fish out, it would stop breathing and eventually it would die. Because a fish was meant to breathe and was created and designed to breathe inside the confines of water. A fish was designed to live the fullest, freest life within the boundaries of the way God's designed in the water. You see, boundaries are not to give us less life They are to give us more life. And, you know, we have been talking about the opioid crisis in Summit County, and it's devastating. And there's not, uh, you know, a person in here that would disagree with me when I say it is not God's design or God's plan for someone to be addicted to opioids or any kind of drug because we have seen the devastation of those kind of addictions. But what I know about addiction is that when it starts, it always starts with someone believing a lie. And the lie is this, that if I take this drug, it is going to actually bring me more freedom from from whatever's happening in my life. It's actually gonna bring me more life because I don't like the life that I'm in right now. In every single time it disappoints, it leads not to freedom, but it leads to to bondage, to slavery, to that addiction. And and every addiction is like that. Every sin is like that. You go down a road of sin for, for, for a long time and it does not go well in the end. And I've seen it time and time again. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, it says there is a way that seems right to you, but its end is the way to death. Listen, God wants to give us more life and he does it through his word. And that is why I'm gonna kind of close with, with this passage. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And there is a lot in there, but you need to see that God's word is profitable for all of those things, and it's for your good. But I want to focus on that very first part. It says all scripture is breathed out by God. That means when you open the Bible, you don't see it as something that's going to limit you, but you see it as the very breath of God breathing life into you if you do what it says. So that means that the God who who breathed life into you for the first time when you were first born and took that first breath, and the God who breathed new life into you when you came to know Jesus as your savior is the same God who wants to keep pumping life into you through the truth of his word. When you look at scripture, you have a completely different perspective. You see it as the life-changing truth of God. All right, the Bible is one of the greatest agents of change, and I could go on, but we have, we have limited time. And so I want you to know the wrong pattern. I want you to also know the right perspective, and I also want you to know the confines of freedom. And let the Bible transform us, transformed in 2018. Let me pray. Father God, we are so, uh, so thankful for giving us your word. You didn't Leave us hanging so that we could figure out truth for ourselves. You gave it to us through your word. And I pray that today, for all of us in here, your word becomes a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It becomes the very breath, the thing that gives us life and freedom. Father, we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, as we close, we're gonna have our prayer team up here. And I just want you to know, if you're somebody who's never read the Bible through the lens of the cross, and that's why maybe you've had trouble with the Bible, it could be, and not for everyone, but it could be because you've never placed your faith in Jesus and taken the gift that he's offered. If you wanna do that today, I, will, I would love to talk with you. Our prayer team would love to pray with you. It will change your perspective on this thing. But if you know Christ as your Savior today, I want to challenge you. Is there an area of your life where you know you are going out of bounds, outside of the way God has designed you to live? Maybe it's with a relationship that you have that you just know is not the way God has designed it to be. Maybe it is with your money. Like you, you, you know, you believe everything about God, but then when Jesus tells you what to do with your money, you're like, no, it's kind of my money. Maybe it's, it, it's to do with your, your private life. Like publicly, everything's good, but your private life just looks a whole lot different. The truth is, look at all of those things through the lens of, script, of the lens of the cross and realize that you confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you. And then you turn, go in back inside the boundaries where there is freedom in life. Our prayer team will be up here. Let's stand and close with worship.